Living by the book is our theme for this year. We believe that there are lots of philosophies of life, lots of different ideas on how to live life and uh, how to do right in this world, lots of advice and instructions. But there is one infallible, we believe, guide for life. It's a book written by the Holy Spirit of the living God. And that's the living by the book that we want to follow this year. I want to try a number of different areas of life and see what the book has to say about it and see if we can live by that. Our first series is called Living Eternally by the Book. I thought we'd start there because this is the most important part of life, uh, our future life. Uh, we're just living here for a little while and soon it'll be gone. Toby said, I thought the internet was a fad. I think all of this is a fad. Uh, I think we'll all be out of here pretty soon. Uh, and on to our true purpose. Uh, our purpose is to think about that eternal life and live by the book. If we want to be in heaven, uh, everybody wants to be in heaven, uh, those that believe in a heaven. Uh, but if you ask them how they're getting there, you get all sorts of different answers. Uh, we don't want to listen to what men have to say and try our own ideas. We want to look for the answer in the book. We want to follow the book, live by the book, not the word of man. Our intention is to be like the Christians in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul said he, he praised them, he gave thanks for them, because when he went to Thessalonica, he taught them the word of God, and he said, when you received the word of God, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Well, we believe this book actually is the Word of God. So it is the guide for us in all parts of life, but especially in this series of how do we live eternally uh, with God. We're going to do it by the book. Now, in our introductory uh, parts, we made a plan. And the first part of that plan was that we're going to make sure we know one part of the book. That's what we're working on through this series and all the others. We'll follow the same plan. Uh, some of you may think, well, man, if I'm going to live by the book, all right, I've got to read the whole thing, and I've got to make a list of everything it says to do, and then I've got to try to follow all of that. No, that's not how we're planning to live by the book. We're going to do it a little piece at a time. Uh, we're going to know one part of the book and then see how we do with that. And if we can follow that, if we can live by that, we'll just continue and we'll get closer and closer to living by the book. Last week, the one part of the book that we decided we'd know was John 3.16. Almost everybody knows that. Uh, most of you knew it last week. Hopefully, after a week of speaking that verse, uh, more of you know it this week. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, we learned a lot from that verse. We went through it piece by piece. We learned that it tells us there are two places that people can spend eternity. One is a place of punishment or perishing, and one is a place of life and joy. We learned that God so loved everybody that he made it possible for anybody to not perish, but to have eternal life. He did that by giving his one and only son. And that, that story of his sacrifice his, after his perfect life, God's approval of that in the resurrection is a 
whole series in itself, but that's what made it possible. And the key part of the verse that we looked at last week was that whoever believes in him puts their trust in him, not just believes that he is Jesus, not just believe about Jesus, but believe in him, believe that he is the answer, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. So that was our verse last week, and the title of that first step was Believe in Jesus. Second verse, or part that we want to know is today's verse, is Acts 3.19. Very short verse, just 13 words. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Now, you'll see that these follow one after the other. Believe in him. It's the first step. You've got to believe in him. If you don't do that, if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe that he sent his son, if you don't believe that he's the way for you, you don't need to worry about this lesson. It's okay to listen to it and store it away. You may need it someday. But you've got to work on that believing. Believe in Jesus. Once you've done that, once you've decided, okay, he is the way, what comes next? Well, Acts 3.19 says, repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Now, if we're going to know this verse, last week we had to take every word in the verse and work through it. Really, the only hard word in this one is repent. Everybody knows what sins are. Everybody knows what wiping them out entails. That's pretty common knowledge. So let's work on the repent part. And as we work on that, let me guess first. Most of you think you know what repent means. Uh, most of you have a concept. You, you've got it in your head. You think, I know what repentance means. I would ask that you listen especially hard because I think I may confuse some of you. Uh, enlighten some of you, hopefully, instead of confusing you. But repentance doesn't mean what we always think it means. So let's see if we can figure out the repent part of this verse. I put on your handout uh, some Greek uh, scholar stuff there about what the Greek word originally meant in, re in, in uh, repentance. And the two words that make up that Greek word are change and mind are the main roots of them. It means to perceive or to know after. So after you perceive something, you can be said to have repented. It's a, it's a change of mind is the best way to think of it. A change of mind, a change of purpose. All right. Now, here are two good pictures of repentance. One is, I changed my mind. Okay. And some of you may, may be thinking already, hold it now. That's not exactly what I thought repentance was. But that's what it is. I changed my mind. Another picture is plan A not working anymore. I'm going to try plan B. A change from plan A to plan B. I changed my mind. Both of those are good pictures of the word repentance. Repentance, now get this, is a change of mind. It is a turning in the mind from one attitude or viewpoint to another. That's what the word repent means. Uh, specifically in the Christian context we're talking, the religious context, uh, repentance is a change of mind or attitude towards sin. 
particularly one's own sin. So with those in mind, I changed my mind, plan A, plan B. Let's think through repentance a little bit. Now, first of all, repentance is not simply being sorry. We as humans, if we get in enough trouble, we get sorry. If things finally fall down on us so much, we get so far down, we get enough consequences hammering us, we get sorry. And we weep and we wail. We tell everybody how sorry we are. And we go through that routine. I imagine everybody behind bars is sorry. Sorry they got caught. Sorry it came to this. Sorry this consequence finally hit them this way. That they have to suffer the consequences of whatever they did wrong. They're sorry about that. But that's not repentance. It's a part of repentance. We'll talk about that in a moment. But repentance is not just being sorry. A lot of people get sorry repeatedly. They're, they're serially sorry. Because they just keep doing it over and every time they get caught, every time the consequences fall, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. Not repentance. Now, neither does repenting mean being sinless. If you repent, it doesn't mean you become an angel. Now, this is a famous picture of two little angels. I don't know if the angels look like this or not, but every time I see it, I'm a little suspicious of that one on the left. I'm not sure he's not sure he's totally angelic. He kind of got that look in his eye. But anyhow, repentance does not mean being sinless. Doesn't mean you become an angel overnight. Now, we can do a quick check here. Uh, almost everybody in this room is a Christian. They've repented. They've confessed. They've been baptized, all of that. Uh, so how many of you are sinless in here? Just stand up and let's take a count here. Well, it doesn't have to be for life, just for 2013. We're just in January. How many of you have been sinless all month? Last week? The weekend? See, everybody's sinless. If you're sitting in here and thinking, well, this repentance thing is too hard because I've got to be sinless. I've got to be... Nobody in here is sinless. That's not what repentance means. Just as trusting faith last week we talked about will lead to obedience, repentance will lead to a changed lifestyle. But it's not a changed lifestyle. Not what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind, remember that, a change of mind about sin that takes place in our heart. Repentance is, I can't say this enough, get it through your head, repentance is not a changed lifestyle. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, uh, John the Baptist told people to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. His whole message was repent. And then when they repented, when they changed their mind about sin, he said, now produce fruit in keeping with that. That's the next step. That'll come, but it's not repentance. Acts 26 and verse 20 says they should prove their repentance 
by their deeds. The doing, the deeds, the, the life change will come after repentance. But repentance is very simply a change of mind about sin. Now, let's look at it another way. Our goal is to know what repentance is. So we're going to hit it from two directions. Let's think about what repentance is. Repentance does include sorrow. I said repentance wasn't just being sorry, but there is sorrow in repentance. David didn't always do right. He was a man after God's own heart, we're learning on Sunday nights. But he didn't always do the right thing. And when he realized that, he repented. He changed his mind about sin. And in Psalm 51, 17, it said that he had a broken spirit, a contrite heart. When he repented of his sins, he watered his couch with his tears. He was sorry. His heart was broken. Once he realized what he's done. So there is sorrow in it. It's not just sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7.10 explains it this way. Godly sorrow. Now listen to this verse. It's going to talk about godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. It says godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Okay. So when I said repentance doesn't just mean being sorry, that's those folks that every time they get caught, every time the consequences fall, they get really sorry and weep and wail, and then they'll just do it over and over again, and that leads to death. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Godly sorrow, that's a part of repentance. It includes that remorse, that sorrow for having committed sins against God. All right, our word of the day also includes a desire to quit doing wrong. There is sorrow in repentance. Secondly, there comes a desire to quit doing wrong. David was sorry. He, he cried on his couch. He had a broken heart. He had a contrite heart. But listen to Psalm, the rest of Psalm 51, verses 7 through 10. He says, cleanse me. He says, wash me, God. Create in me a pure heart, O God. I want to change. I want to quit doing wrong. I'm sorry I did wrong. I desire to quit doing wrong. That's a part of our word. And the third part of repentance is a determination to do right. Now, repentance... Big picture is a change of mind. Getting down a little more detail, think of it this way. There is a sorrow in it for what you've been doing. There is a desire to quit doing wrong. And there's a determination that I am going to do right. Now, with that in mind and that picture of repentance, we still don't understand it. We had not got it quite yet. We've got to work on it just a little bit more. So I think one thing we've got to understand, and this is why it's hard for us, we think of repentance, and we think there's one definition for it, and that's how it applies to everybody. Repentance, I contend, is different for everyone. It's not the way we usually hear it described. We usually hear it described as repentance is a turning, a change of lifestyle, all of that. 
Think of it this way. Repentance is different for everyone. We've got to get that. We've got to make sure we get that. All right. The usual picture or illustration of repentance is something like this. 180 degree turn. You turn. You're going one way. If you repent, you turn around and go the other way. Anybody ever hear that preacher story before? That's what preachers tell you. Yeah, I don't know why they tell you that. It's not right, but they'll tell you that. They'll even show you pictures about U-turns. They'll tell you stories about people that that was what repentance was like. It was a complete U-turn in life. Favorite preacher story is about old John Newton. Wrote the song Amazing Grace. First part of the story is he was a slave trader. Lived a horrible life. Traded in slaves was a ship, a captain of a slave ship. Did all sorts of horrible, despicable, evil things. And then made a 180 degree turn. Quit doing all of that wrong. And ended up writing the song Amazing Grace. The most famous Christian song of all times, probably. He was going this way, and he turned around and changed completely to go the other way. He was doing bad, and he started doing good. Well, that's the way we tell the story, usually. You know the problem with that? That story is all about doing. That's not repentance. What's repentance? A change of mind, a a sorrow, a determination to quit doing wrong, a decision, a determination to start doing right, but it hadn't got the doing there yet. That's next. That's what it leads to. All we want to do today is understand repentance. Okay, let's say somebody comes in here, comes to visit. They're not sure they're going to heaven. They hear this series about living eternally by the book. They say, maybe this will teach me how to get to heaven. I want to listen to this. They listened last week. They learned about believing in him. They're working on that. They're thinking about, okay, maybe Jesus is the way. And they get to this part about repentance. And we usually tell them, it's a turning. It's a complete 180 degree turn. You're doing one thing. You change and you do the other. And as our example, we... Ask you to just look around at all these perfect people. Look at these seven hundred. They're perfect. Look at them. They're all dressed up pretty. They're behaving. They're, they're doing right. They're doing nothing wrong. And that visitor thinks, whoa, I, I can't become like that overnight. My lifestyle is so different from that. I don't even own a tie. You know, how could I become perfect like that overnight? If that's what repentance is, I can't do it. Some of you say, I don't know, but you've heard this. Anybody in here that has ever shared the gospel with somebody at some point has heard them say, well, okay, I understand all that. I believe all that. I know I ought to do that, but I got to get some things right first. I got to get my life straightened up. So I can be a Christian. That's what happens when we teach this theology of repentance is a complete 180 degree turn and stopping doing bad and starting doing right. Not what repentance is. 
Repentance is a change of mind about sin. Repentance is a change of mind about what the way you want to live. Some of you sitting here today are thinking that. Well, I've got a lot of things to clear up before I could be a Christian. Some of you have thought that. Well, hit the delete button. Now, that's not a right thought. Believe in him. We talked about that last week. This week we're learning what repentance means, and repentance is a change of mind. Now, instead of the usual picture of John Newton and his 180-degree turn, or some other black-hearted scoundrel that I could look up that was doing horrible things and started doing wonderful things, instead of those, let's look at four Bible characters. Let's consider the repentance of the Samaritan woman of Saul of Tarsus, of John the Apostle, and of young Timothy. And see if from them we can learn something about repentance. See if we can learn that repentance is different for everyone. Okay. Now let me put a little caveat in here. If you're a theology major, you could probably poke a hole in my illustration somewhere. My illustration is not intended to explain the whole plan of God. My illustration is intended to explain repentance. If you just listen to it that way and think through it, maybe when we're done with these four examples, you'll say, okay, now I'm getting what repentance is. Okay. All right, illustration. We've got to start. Let's take this middle aisle here, and we're going to call this middle aisle the, the path to God, the path to heaven. If you're in this aisle, if you're on this path, you've believed in him. You've accepted His grace. You've set your mind on heavenly things. You've been baptized. You're walking toward God, toward heaven. You want to get more holy. You want to get more closer to Him all the time. But that's the path. Okay? Got that? Okay. Now, as long as you're on that path, if you're coming down this path and heading toward God, there's exits all along the way. You can get off the path anytime you want. You can leave if you want to. But as long as you're walking in the light... That's what John said. As long as you're walking toward him, his blood continually cleanses you from all sin, you're going to heaven. We'll talk about that assurance later sometimes. As long as you're on that, we'll picture this as the path. Now let's think about our folks here. Samaritan woman. Where was the Samaritan woman? She wasn't on that path, I'll tell you. Samaritan woman's way over here somewhere. Way over here, she knew she was doing wrong. She was doing wrong, and she knew it. She was ashamed. She wouldn't be around other people. She didn't want to talk about it with Jesus. We did that story just a few weeks ago. She was wandering around aimlessly, doing wrong, knowing it was wrong. She had no idea what right was. She just knew she was doing wrong. She was in a mess. She had been seeking the answer from sex and relationships and worldly things. She didn't have any clue what right was. And she went to the well one day and she met Jesus. And Jesus told her, I can get you on the right path. I can give you living water. I can fix it so you're never thirsty. I can fix it so you live eternally. And she changed her mind. She repented. I want the right way. I'm sorry for what I've been doing. 
I know I've been on the wrong path and I want to quit it. And I want to do what's ever right. At that point, she repented. Is she on that path yet? Not there yet. But she repented. Now, let's take Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Pharisee. Great moral man. He was way away from the Samaritan woman. He was way over here on another path. He was walking a path that he believed led him to God. He was so moral. He had a list of rules. He kept all of them. He said himself, I never violate those rules. He was absolutely confident that what he was doing was going to get him to God. Going to get him to heaven. Absolutely confident. In fact, he was so confident that what he was doing right was he was persecuting anybody that said they were on that path. He said, no, that's not the path to heaven. This is the path to heaven. And I'll arrest you and put you in jail if you're on that path. That's where he was. Absolutely confident, however. Remember that. And then on the road to Damascus, the same thing happened to him that happened to the Samaritan woman. He met Jesus. He met Jesus, and Jesus said, You've been on the wrong path, Saul. <laughs> I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And Saul was sorry. Saul admitted. He understood, I've been doing the wrong thing. I want to do the right thing. And his next question was, what do I do? You know what Jesus' answer was? Wait, I'll tell you. Wait a while, I'll tell you later. Kind of a strange answer in it. He said, you just go into town and wait. I'll send a preacher to come tell you. But at that point, Saul repented. He changed his mind. He said, I'm on plan B. I want to change to plan A. I want to be over on that other path. He didn't know how to get there yet. He wasn't there yet, but he repented. John, John the Apostle. We don't know much about John. We don't know what his religious life was like. We don't know how religious he was. We don't know what he thought about God. We know he was a rough old character. He was a fisherman. Lived a tough old life. Pretty hardcore. Probably partied a bit and got in a few brawls. And He and his brother won a few fights, I bet. Kind of a different lifestyle. We, we don't know much about what he believed, but we know that something happened to him. He met Jesus. Just like the other two, he met, Je- <coughs> he met Jesus. And Jesus said, I can get you on the right path. Why don't you quit what you've been doing and come follow me? John said, Okay. John didn't know what all that entailed, but John believed in Jesus so much that he decided, I will quit, give up everything I've been doing, and follow Jesus. I'll let him show me how to do it. At that point, he repented. Hadn't changed his lifestyle yet, but he changed his mind about who he was going to follow and how he was going to live. Now, Timothy, Timothy's a special case. Timothy's a young man, good boy, raised in a good family, 
His mother and grandmother taught him all about the Bible. Taught him all about God. He was on the path toward God. He was doing the right things. He was a young boy, but he was following the rules. He was doing things that mom and grandmother told him to do. He knew he was going toward God. He was getting closer to heaven all the time. And at some point, he began, he got old enough where he began to understand. He heard about this Jesus. He began to understand that there's sin in my life. And, and before, when he was younger, he knew when he did wrong, but he thought of it as, well, I did what mama doesn't want me to do. At some point, he got old enough. And I don't know how old it was. It's different for every kid. But at some point, he got old enough where he thought, no, it's more than just not doing what mama wants. It's not doing what God wants. And that's called sin. And, and I'm sorry if I've sinned. Now, how many big sins did little Timothy have? Hardly any. Timothy hadn't done anything wrong to speak of. He was a good boy. But he decided in his mind about sin and about God. And I want to get on the path that takes me to heaven. I want to follow Jesus and I want to get more like him all the time. And I want to be more like him. So he just kind of stayed on the same path. But when he made that mind, when he changed that mind, that was his repentance. Okay, now I've given you four pictures from the Bible. And did you notice they all were different? Now, they all repented. They, they met the definition of repentance that we've got here. Now, some of you are worrying about, well, how do they get over on this path? Now, let's think through that a little bit. All four of them have different obstacles to overcome to get on the path. All four of them got different problems that they got to deal with to get on the path. Okay? The Samaritan woman, she's a long way from the path. She's got so many things to change. She's got all these messed up relationships that she's going to have to deal with. She's got a guy she's living with that she's going to have to go tell him, I'm going to follow Jesus instead of what makes me happy or makes you happy, and that's going to mess up our relationship. But I'm going to follow Jesus. I have made my mind up. I'm sorry for the way I've been living. I'm determined to do the right thing. I'm determined to quit doing the wrong thing. She's got a long ways to go, though, folks. If our picture is perfect here, she may start way at the back of the aisle and have a long way to go to get very holy. Saul, you think the Samaritan woman had a long way to go. Saul, how far did he have to go? He's got to deal with family. They're going to disown him when he tells them he's going to start following this Jesus guy. All of his friends are going to throw him out. He's not going to get to be a Pharisee anymore. He's not going to be part of the big wigs. He's out socially. He hasn't got a friend left. But he has repented. He's changed his mind. I'm going to quit plan B. I'm going to do plan A. So he went to the city like Jesus told him. He prayed and he fasted. He kept asking, show me what I'm supposed to do. The preacher finally showed up one day and told him the next step. 
We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. If Jesus can tell him to wait, I can tell you to wait. We're working on repentance today. But think how far Saul had to go to get on the path. His life was completely destroyed from what he was used to. He had a long ways to go. John, we don't know how far he had to go, but he had some lifestyle changes to make. Evidently, the story reads, he just threw down the nets and went with Jesus that day. So he was on the path. Now, on the path... Was he perfect or sinless? No, that's not what repentance is. On the path, he still had to learn. Jesus had to pull him and John aside, uh, him and James, and say, Boys, we do not call down lightning on people. You know? You two are the sons of thunder. You got to stop that way of living. We do things differently when you're following me. So John had lots of changes to make, and he learned more and more and more. In fact, toward the end, he calls himself the apostle who Jesus loved. He was Jesus' best friend. He had a lot of changes to make once he got on the path, but that's not repentance. Repentance is when he made his mind up that he was going to get on the right path. Timothy, what kind of changes did he have to make? Virtually none. So you show Timothy this picture of a U-turn, and Timothy says, what? I don't have to make a U-turn. I just keep being a good boy. And I'm going to learn to trust in Jesus more and more. I'm going to get more like him. He didn't have a turn. He might have had a two-degree correctional change or something, but he didn't have a 180-degree turn to make. That's all in the doing. We're talking about repenting. Repentance is a change of mind. All right, hopefully our verse is a little clearer now. Once you believe in him, what do you do? You repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Repentance is not just being sorry. Repentance is not becoming an angel and being perfect. Repentance is not even a radical change of lifestyle, depending where you are. Christianity may be a radical change of lifestyle. But repentance is just a change of your mind that I am sorry for how I've been living. I want to stop doing wrong and I want to start doing right and I want to trust in Jesus to save me. That's repentance. All right, now it's time to make your plan. I put it down at the bottom of the handout. How are we going to do this? We're going to know one part of the Bible. That's what we just spent 30 minutes trying to do. We said we'd repeatedly speak that part of the book, and then we'll act on that truth. All right, what's your plan for living by the book, living eternally by the book this week? I know there's the rest of the story. It kills me not to tell you all the story today. But we don't have time. We're going to learn repentance today. So you deal with this one part this week. Do you know what repentance means? If not, work on it some more this week. If it hadn't become clear to you yet, get you a concordance. Look up every place that says repent or repentance and read what it talks about. Maybe you'll figure it out. But go until you know what repentance is. Speak it. 
Memorize this verse. I told you, there's 13 words. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. You can get that one. In fact, if you want a challenge, do John 3.16 then do Acts 3.19. Start putting this all together. Memorize it. Speak it. Now, I don't know if you need to act on it or not. Because I don't know where you are. If you need to act on it, if you need to repent and you've understood what that means and you understand who Jesus is and all the things I've talked about, you can do that right now where you're sitting. And then the preacher will come back later and tell you what to do next. But you can repent right now. You can do it this Thursday after you've thought about it for four days. You think about what this entails and how you've been living your life and what you've been doing and who you trust in. You can repent anytime you want. Once you know what this verse means, then you've got to know where you are. And there's some in this room probably that are on that worldly path, living for sex and pleasure and uh, happiness and all the things that they can find in the world. You may not be ready to change your mind. But when you're ready to change your mind, you need to repent. Some of you are over on this perfectly confident path. I know exactly what I'm doing is right. I'm doing what they taught me when I grew up in such and such church, and I'm doing that, and that's good enough. And I don't need to make a change. All right? You're not ready to repent. If you're trusting in yourself like Saul was, Trusting in your good acts and your deeds and the way you do things, and you think that's going to get to heaven, you need to repent. You may not be ready to until you change that mind. You may be over here on the fisherman circuit, not concerned about Jesus at all. Just living a pretty good life, maybe a pretty good guy. Party a little bit every now and then, kind of rough, around the edges, I don't know. But until Jesus showed up, he didn't know he needed to change. Once he figured that out, he repented. Some of you may be young and on the path already. Your family's raised you right. They've taught you about God. You're doing everything right, you know. And you may be getting close to that time when you think, I need to do something about this. When in your mind you really understand what sins against God are. And what Jesus does for you, you know, when they, you really get clear on that, then it's time to repent. So everybody's in a different place. Everybody's got different obstacles and, uh, to, to overcome, to get on the path. But if you just understand what repentance is today, it's the next step in living eternally by, God, by the book. You've got to, you've got to make your mind up. That the plan I've been following is not the right plan. I want to follow the right one. Next week, come back. We'll discuss the next step in living eternally by the book. The song we're going to sing now is called I Am Resolved. That's another way of saying I've changed my mind. I've, I've resolved that I'm not going to live the same anymore. And some of you may know the next step and know what, that you're ready to do it. But the song says, I am resolved no longer to linger. I'm resolved to hasten to him 
If you're ready to do that today, like the Samaritan woman or John or Saul did or Timothy, if you need to know what to do and want to respond today and put Christ on in baptism, we'd be thrilled to help you work on repentance. Let's stand and sing.